here to Light Point for all those people out in the Welcome Center. Come on in. It's church time. All right, my name is Jocelyn. I'll be leading you in worship. If you are joining us on our website, welcome to church. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. Um, let's stand up and sing. We're going to start with a song called Great Things, just lifting up his name and how awesome he is.
Touch of this song last night, called, last week, it's called Your Glory. So we're going to sing that again this week. Here we go. My life is yours. And my hope is in you only. And my heart you hold. Cause you Bro. 
worship in your light because your glory is so beautiful your glory is so beautiful father god we are in awe of you this morning god we can stand here and lift our hands and shout to you god we are in awe by you Thank you for who you are, just standing in this moment. Just breathing in your love. Breathing in your life, breathing in your light so that we can shine it back out. God, I thank you for this moment of worship that we could lift you up and say your glory is so beautiful. God, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. God, I pray over Chad as he comes up to preach, Lord, that his words be clear, his message be bold, and it speak right to our hearts. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may have a seat. Good morning. How's everybody? Everybody doing okay? It's great to see you. For those that are joining us online, I want to welcome you and say that we miss you. We miss seeing you here um, and look forward to the day we can all be together. One of the things that uh, Julie and I were having this conversation this week, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, we were talking about how awkward things are. Everything feels awkward, right? You get in, and, and so we're all spread out, and you've and you're got this, this, this distance between you, and it's just things just are awkward. I was hanging out with some friends the other day, and one of the comments afterwards was, things just seemed awkward. And I think there's this, there's this piece of we don't know how to act and we don't know how to, to go about getting back to some resemblance of, of what things used to be. And so let's just all acknowledge that uh, together as a church family that, yes, things are a little awkward. Is that okay? And so what we're going to do in this awkwardness piece is we are going to just push through. And we are going to just they say, yep, it's awkward, but we're going to choose to gather. We're going to choose to love one another and do, be exactly who God's called us to be, which is a light in this dark world. So with that said, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This passage we're looking at today, I have to say, is very relevant <laughs> to today. Um, and, it's so, and it's interesting, as I was, I was sitting here, I'm like, why didn't I pass this week off to somebody else to preach? <laughs> oh, here, the other thing, before I go any further, I, I want to be clear because a couple people have asked uh, how, how, we're, how I'm doing and, and like taking two weeks off last week and whether I'm going somewhere. And so to be perfectly clear, um, we're not going anywhere as far as like this is our church and we're here, right? I just needed a break. Um, and so I had Rob, which I appreciate him filling in the week, and then Mike filled in the first time last week, and I think Mike did an awesome job. And we all learned, we all, we all learned how we all should love the Catholics during that message. So, <laughs> um, but with that, so just so you're clear, uh, Julie and I are getting out of pocket for three weeks coming up. So we're not going anywhere, we'll just be, I, I need some time to recharge and some time to get uh, with my family and just hang out and, and, and kind of recoup after everything that's going on. So I have some amazing people coming in that, that will bring God's word to you, so you can be ready for that. So are we good? Yeah. 
so everybody know that I'm not going anywhere. Okay, sweet. <laughs> All right. It's awkward, isn't it, Chad? See? All right, here we go. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. I want to back up um, to two, two verses that Mike touched on last week, and I, I want to tie it into how we're going to flow this week. So go to First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start in actually verse 11. And it says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passion of the flesh, of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among, among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And he goes into 13, he says this, but be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, honoring everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure it? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you, suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In this passage, as we look at it, so we've been walking through this, this first Peter, and we've been looking at this idea of what true grit is. And we define true grit to, to come back to this particular statement. True grit is, is when we're having courage, resolve, and strength of character. And when we get our courage and our resolve and our strength of character from our relationship with Christ, that becomes true grit. That becomes the peace that we continue to take steps of faith in. We continue to walk out what we are called to be and who we are called to be and what we're called to do. And in this life, in this peace that we are asked to be something different than the world, we have to live in a way that sets us apart. And we have to live in a way that doesn't allow other people to say, well, you're just like these other, these other guys that don't know Christ. 
And so as we look at today's passage, what I want us to understand and what I want us to grasp first and foremost is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, what does he start off by saying? He starts off by calling, he starts off by saying this particular piece. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, to give you a context of what's going on, and it's been touched on for the past few weeks, but to give you a context, if you're just joining us, is during this time frame, there was the Roman emperor, and I believe his name was Neo at this time, and he was very much about persecuting Christians. Like in this particular, in this, in this particular time frame, Neo wanted to take Christians out. He didn't like them. And so if you associated with being a believer, his main goal was to make sure that you either would denounce your faith or he would have you killed. And it's one of the big pieces where the the persecution of, of Christians started, really started happening from a government authority. And so here's what one of the pieces that I think we need to understand is there was an edict put out by the emperor that says if you have every right to take these people out. And so Peter comes in and says, listen, as sojourners and exiles, and here's what he was saying in this particular, in this passage, he's asking us to to look at it or to realize that this is not where they belong. And we go even deeper and we understand that in this In this passage, we understand that Peter is saying, you don't belong to this world. You're sojourners. You're exiles. You belong somewhere else. And Peter was not only speaking of the here and now, but he's speaking of our eternal life. See, we belong to the heavenly kingdom. When we belong to Christ, we belong to to a different world. We are set apart. We read that earlier. We are set apart. We are not to be like all these other individuals who are following every whim and every thought and every feeling. And he's saying, listen, you're called to be different. Now we get an idea of, of what exiles are. By how we look at today's world, we can get an idea when we talk about exiles, people who have left their homeland or they've left their country or they've been pushed out of where they belong. And they've been, they've been placed in a place that is different, that it is awkward for them. And our Christian faith, our faith in Jesus has never been so much so important as it is today. And the reason why I say that is this. We are told to fear all this stuff in this world that is going on. The media, Facebook, all of it is driving a fear piece. They are telling us to fear all of it. And it is very easy for us to get caught up in the fear piece rather than get caught up in our faith. It is very easy for us to get knocked to the side and get become stuck rather than have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things you can see, you know, these masks, and, and um, one of the questions was, are we going to start wearing masks? 
And one of the things I want us to understand is this. You have every right if you don't want to wear it. Every right to do it. And if you're not comfortable wearing it, don't wear it. But there's a perception that we send out as a body of believers when people who are scared and afraid that we can make things a little bit easier for them to come and meet Jesus when we simply put a mask on. And I'll be completely honest with you. I hate these things. I don't want to wear them. I feel like a part of me is like giving in to this fear piece. Like complete transparency. Like a part of me is like, uh, like, I'm walking around like, no, this is not me. And I hate it. But here's what I noticed since we started meeting together. And I'll be completely honest. There was a couple that came and they had their mask on. And they came for two weeks. And we were lackadaisical. And they haven't been back. There was a lady that came and had her mask on. I don't know where their faith journey's at. But they, they came, she came in and before the sermon even hit, she was out of here. There's this piece that we have to realize that maybe sometimes our conduct, what we choose to do, has an impact on other people meeting Jesus. And again, wear it, don't wear it, it's fine. But if I can encourage us with anything, let's look at it from a lens of how do we make decisions? How do we conduct ourselves in a way that makes it a little easier for other people to come in the door and meet Jesus? Does that make sense? Okay. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Freaking hate that thing. All right. He goes on, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Like I just said, what, is, what are we doing? How are we conducting ourselves? What's, the, what's our conduct doing? Listen, our, our life is not meant for this world. Our life is meant for eternity with him. And in that piece, we need to hold on to that. When I know that my ultimate goal is to be with my Savior, with my God in heaven, all the stuff that goes on doesn't have to have the huge impact that it does today. I know he has me. He goes on, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when you speak against, when they speak, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify God. And in this push, and guys, I get it. I'm a rebel by nature, by heart. If you ask my parents, I rebelled more as a teenager than and a kid. That's, that's my nature. But I come back to this piece of what is my conduct doing? What's it reflecting during this time frame? And so I come to this question or this statement. When we're displaying true grit and we're called to true grit, we have to realize that our conduct matters a lot. And is our conduct pointing people to Jesus or turning them away? Pointing them to Jesus or turning them away? Second thing, and we get on to verse 13 and 14, we read this. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. 
whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm reading this because some of the decisions made by leadership, and let me be very clear, I don't envy them at all. This is if there's any more reason for us to be praying for our leaders right now, watch what's going on. More decisions, I believe, are being made out of fear than anything. And if anything I'm learning in leading my family and leading this church is I cannot make decisions based off of fear. You can't do it. I've got to make decisions based off of wisdom and off of truth. But we have, we have government authorities or government, people in government that are making decisions based off fear. I don't envy them at all. Because any decision they make, someone's going to find it right and someone's going to find it wrong. So our goal, our point, and what Peter, I believe, is telling us is this. We need to be law-abiding citizens. Our job is not to rebel against the law. Our job is to live by what's in place and where we live and, and walk that out. So that when people see our conduct and they see how we live our lives, they know that we're, we're, not, we're, we're not trying to rebel against something that's in place, but we're law-abiding citizens. So what I come back to and, and one of the things that I have to look at in my own life is this, is I have to recognize my own authority issues. Because let's be honest, how many of us in here have authority issues? Thank you. I'm right there with you. Anybody, someone tells me something to do, guess what I want to try to do? Thank you, Jocelyn. The opposite. Or I want to figure a way around it to bend it just enough. But as a follower of Christ, there's a piece of me that says, you know what, there's a world watching. And what am I doing what am I doing in this season to show people who I belong to? And see, when we compare anybody, I'm just curious, anybody's life been threatened this week? Anybody? Someone? Scott, that's different. <laughs> that's your own heart coming at you. That's not somebody else. But that's, that's the thing. No one in here is like someone's going to come and kill you because of your faith. I mean, we feel it being encroached upon. Don't get me wrong. We feel it attacked. I, I get that piece, but no one's coming up to you with a gun in their hand or a sword saying, do you believe in Jesus? And then based off your answer, we'll take your life or not. We're not in it. But this is what was going on in this time frame to give us context. And so in this, Peter's saying, listen, you need to watch your conduct. You need to watch your authority issues. You need to realize that this is going on. I was reading that what they would do to meet as a church is they would meet in the early hours of the day so that no one would know that they were meeting. They would gather as a church family when, when no one could see them gathering. What's interesting, they were doing this in secret. You know why the, the, some people had an issue with what they were doing? is because a lot of times, what do we know about shame? Shame is put in the dark and we do things in secret because we don't want anybody to know about it. And so they were comparing them to those pagans 
those heathens who were doing things in secret and hidden behind. So there was this comparison piece going on. So which even drove it even further to say, listen, your conduct and what you're doing is so important so that people know who you belong to. And so we need to pay attention and recognize our own authority issues. Have you noticed today that there's a lot of blame going on? There's a lot of blame going on. Well, because they did that, I did this. If they wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. And we're blaming everyone and every, everything for the way I'm doing life, for the way I'm conducting life. I love it. My children are big on this. One of them smacks the other. I walk into an all-out brawl in the room. It's kind of funny to me a little bit, but <laughs> there's some hit, and I'm like, What's going on? Well, he said this, or she said this to me. Well, why does that give you the right to do this? Here's the thing I want us to understand as followers of Christ. We always have a choice. The government that is in place, the things that are being said, the things that are being done, we always have a choice in how to respond. See, True Grit talks about our character and, and having this, this, this resolve and this strength of character. Guess what our character is shown, how we show our true character of belonging to Christ? It's by what we show in our actions. Just because something is said or done does not mean that I have to respond in an unholy way. We go on and, and we see this piece next. Before I move on, I want us to understand, do we realize that God is sovereign? That God's not surprised by who is our leaders right now? Do you know that God is working his will out regardless of who's in position of authority? If anything I'm learning in life is that I used to think I was, I was so important and things wouldn't happen if I didn't make them happen. You know what I learned is that when I'm absent, things still happen. God still works. He still moves. And in this, we have to recognize that God is still in control. He's still sovereign. He still moves regardless of who's been voted in or voted out. And so it becomes more of a trusting God than it does trusting those in position of authority. But I recognize that, and I, I, I honor that person for the job that they've been called to do. So we move on, and we understand this in verse 15 it says to 17. For this is the will of God. Everybody ever asks, well, what's God's will for my life? We, I get this all the time. What's, well, I don't know what God's will for my life is. You're about to find out. You ready? Get ready, because this is, this is God's will. For this is God's will, that by doing what? Good. You should do what? You should put to silence the ignorance of foolish 
people. Does it say by being belligerent, by being sarcastic, by being a person that puts everyone else down? No. That by doing good, God's will for our life is to do good. To do good. You should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He goes on and says, live as people who are free. We're free. We're free to make choices. We're free to do what we've been called to do. We're free to live out our faith. We're free in so many ways, and especially in America, we are free, even though some of us, there's this idea that our freedoms are being taken, and in a way, some of the things are being encroached upon, but we're still free. I can still come and worship. I can still go and, and, and do the things that I want to do. I can still, on the 4th of July, go out in my cul-de-sac and blow up fireworks and have a great time. I'm free to do things. I'm free to make mistakes. There's consequences to that. But we are to live as free people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Again, putting things in perspective. He goes on and he says this, honor everyone. What's it mean to honor everyone? As a church, Chad, Chad Lynn and I were talking about this weekend. He made a comment when we first started. We wanted to be what, Chad? Thank you. And by being real, we, we wanted also for people to come into the doors that know that we were a place that was real. And it didn't matter where you came from, it didn't matter your skin color, it didn't matter where you grew up, it didn't matter uh, who your parents were, it didn't matter what your mistakes you had made, it didn't matter how jacked up you were or how perfect you thought you were, we were going to be a place, <laughs> we were going to be a place that anybody could come. And when we start valuing everybody, that's what it means to honor everyone, that people are valued here. And Peter is saying, listen, honor everyone, which means you need to value everyone. Everyone is important. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says that God desires all to come to know him, that God wants all people in a relationship with him. There's this call to Timothy, a reminder to Timothy that says, listen, I want people in my family, and I want them to come to know Jesus. Why? Because God finds them valuable. God wants them in relationships. So what does that mean for us? That means that we need to honor everyone and find them valuable, whether we agree with them or not. They're still valuable. He goes on, and he says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. This word love here, when Peter writes this to the Christians, this is not like this flippant love. This isn't some, this is a deep love for everyone. This is a love that, you know what, we can work through the difficult things and come out on the other side. We're going to stick with it. We're going to show some true grit and we're going to work through our, there's a deep brotherly family love that he is saying to, to, for us to have for one another. It's also written in scripture that he says what people will know who you belong to by the way you 
Y'all need to, come on now. What? Love one another. Thank you. Peter's telling us to live that out. He says this too. Fear God. So a lot of times we were like, why do I want to fear God? So here, let's, let's break this down a little bit. For me to fear God means I stand in awe of him. I stand in reverence of him. There's a piece of us that we don't fear God anymore. We don't. If we feared God, maybe our, our decisions making would be different. Maybe some of the things we did would, would be a little bit different. Maybe the way we treated one another would be a lot different. But Peter goes on, he says, listen, fear God. And last, he says, honor the emperor. Show him respect. Now, we don't have an emperor, but we have a governor, a mayor, a president, all that. Our job's to, to honor them, to realize that their job's not easy, and to pray for them. So here's what we know. Our conduct matters. We need to recognize our own authority issues and have God deal with them. We need to recognize God's will for us, which is what? To honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Why? Because as we're doing good, that's the good we need to be doing. Who's glorified? God. Here's the piece. Excuse me. When we look at this, how many of you guys think we have a control issue going on in our world right now? Excuse me. I, I, believe, I believe there's a fight for control. And if you don't believe what I believe or think the way that I think, then I'm going to make you feel bad about who you are. And if you don't believe what I believe and if you don't think what I think, then I'm going to figure out a way to manipulate you and try to control you. When people are in chaos or in fear, here's what I'm noticing as human nature. They look for a way to try to control someone else to do what they want them to do. And we see it. We see it. Do you know what we have control over? What? Us. Do you know that we have control over our responses? We don't have control over what people say or what people do, none of that. But I have, to the best of my ability, I have somewhat control over my responses. Sometimes I get it right. A lot of times I don't. But I have control over my responses. Here's what we learn as we go on. That Peter says this, we need to focus on our response. We read this. We see this passage, and before I get in it, we're going to talk. Peter's writing to the slave-master relationship. And I understand that we don't, in this sense here, have a slave-master relationship going on for the most part where we are today. However, what we do have is we have an employee-employer relationship we have a, a boss and an employee relationship. We have uh, authority things that are going on where there is somebody in charge and somebody that is not in charge. 
And what I understand to be true is that in this, as we look at this, yes, it's not, we're not talking about slavery. And just so we're clear, slavery started from the very beginning when other people started controlling other people and what they did and started thinking they owned them. And so we see this running through, but Peter goes, I want you to understand, here's what's going to happen, and here's what your response needs to be. Verse 18 to 20 says, servants, be subject to your masters with all what? Respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow, sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure this as a gracious thing in the sight of God. One version says you find this finds favor in God's eyes. Peter's writing to people's response, what we do with people in leadership. Who people who we work for, people who uh, we, we may be employed by. Anybody ever had a horrible boss? Yeah? Anybody ever have, anybody been a horrible boss? No? Okay. <laughs> had my moments. Um, listen, he, he says, stop, don't, like, your boss or whoever is, is going to be who they're going to be. But you have a choice how you respond. You have a choice of what you're going to do. And what does he say? He says to those that, that are the servants, those that are employed, that you have a way of conducting yourself that can be different than anybody else. Why is that? Because through that, God does something amazing. I spent quite a few years underneath a very interesting boss. I'd walk into the door, and I would not know whether I'd have a job or not. I'd walk into the door, I didn't know if I'd get a high five or get chewed out. And so you're going through all, and so it became this piece where I had to focus in on what I could do. And what I believe Peter is saying is this, do what you're supposed to do, do the right thing, do your job. That way... When they come down on you, whether justly or unjustly, you know you're doing what you need to do. And in this world, that's what our response needs to be, that we're doing the right thing. So here's what we know. Our conduct matters. Recognize our own authority issues. Recognize God's will for us. Focus on your response. And lastly, we've been given an example. We've been given an example to follow, and that's Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Do you know that in this world we are, we are going to suffer? If you haven't figured that out yet, we are going to go through hard times. It's going to happen. But we have an example of someone that has, has walked it and walked it out well and given us an example of what to, to live by. And we need to follow Christ's example. So we are going to suffer, just to be clear. We're going to go through hard times. But he says this, leaving, 
Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so you might follow in his steps. Unlike us, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued and trusted himself to him who judges, judges justly. So let's be clear about what Jesus did. Jesus' example was this. Do you know that Jesus spoke the truth? You don't see a story about where Jesus avoided not speaking the truth. One of our responses to the world that's going on, that's going on in our world right now is to speak truth. Like, I'm not telling us not to stand up for what we believe in. Let me be very clear on this particular. If any time it is now more important than ever, than ever for us to be a voice of reason, a voice of truth. Now, let me be very clear about this. In this day and age we live in, there's this thing called, well, this is my own truth. Well, that's my truth. There's one truth, and it comes from right here, and it's God's word, and it guides us, it directs us, it brings us back into relationship with him. This is our truth as believers, and he go, and we can, we can sit here, and, and so one of the things that he did is he went, and he was very clear about speaking truth into this world. He didn't shy away from it. We shouldn't either. He did it with compassion. He did it in a way that people knew that they were loved. You ever had a boss that could chew you out and you walk away feeling loved? I, I, I had a, a boss that could, uh, it was actually in the Marines. I, I, I could get my rear end handed to me because I messed up. And I'd walk away knowing that that dude loved me and had my back. To me, that's the truth we need to speak. When Jesus spoke the truth to the woman at the well, do you think that the woman at the well walked away feeling loved? I do. We could go story after story of where Jesus spoke truth to somebody. And what did they do in response? They came into a relationship with him. What else did Jesus do? By the way, Jesus didn't run from anything. He didn't play the avoid game. Anybody like to avoid stuff? Things get too hard, let's just avoid. It's too difficult. No. Our job's not to avoid. The other thing, too, is, is um, Jesus always took the God option. In our lives, we'll always have a God option. He goes on, he says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found, so truth was always found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he, did not revile. he didn't return back an insult for an insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten, he did not come at him, and he, 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 he walked through it. But continued, and here's the thing that I think we all need to come to, is he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He trusted God through it all. And that's where we need to be. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In this world today, we are going to experience suffering. We are going to experience hard times. We're going to have jacked up leadership and positions of authority. We are going to have people in authority making poor decisions. But here's the truth that we have to grasp in what Peter's driving home. We always have a God option in how we respond. Always. And our job is to find the truth and speak the truth. Not find someone else's truth, but find the truth and speak it with love. Meet people with compassion. To not avoid, but to engage. Not condemn, but uplift. We have a role as believers to do things differently. The set that sets us apart from everyone else. And the question is, will we choose the God option or will we choose our option and how we respond? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you are a God that loves us. You're a God that sustains us. You're a God that is there for us each and every time. In the midst of a world where things are chaotic and decisions are made that we may or may not agree with, Lord, we know that you are sovereign and you have a plan. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan for our lives, that your will for our lives is for us to do good. And my prayer is, Lord, that we would find what that good is and do it, Lord, that when we um, value those around us, when we value the people around us, Lord, that that is good. doesn't matter who they are, but we value them. Lord, help us to do that, to honor everyone. Lord, help us to love each other deeply. Help us to fear you, God, to know that, you're in, that you have this all, Lord, that you hold us all, and that because you hold us all, Lord, that there's a piece of us that needs to respond in awe and honor and respect of who you are. And that, Lord, that our, our response needs to be obedience to you, Lord. I pray that for our lives and, Lord, for our government officials. Lord, I lift them up to you. I pray, Father, that they would move away from a, a decision-making done by fear. But, Lord, that you would draw them close to you. And, Lord, that they would make decisions based off of who you are and trusting you. God, help us to be people that speak truth. Not offensively, but with compassion. Help us to make decisions that don't push people away from you, but help them draw them into you. Lord, we are your representatives. We are your ambassadors that you've placed here. Help us to live as such. Help us to be a light for you. Shine in our own lives where we have issues of authority, where we have issues of rebellion, where we have issues of whatever it is that's pulling us away and not allowing your light to shine in our own lives. Help us to see that, Lord, and please, Lord, give us the strength and courage to change it so that in all things you're glorified. And I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple ways for us to respond today so we can stand and we can sing.
And as you're standing and singing, I just, just spend some time in prayer talking to God, saying, God, reveal in my life anything that I may need to change. And Lord, guide me to your truth so that I can speak it. And give me the compassion I need to do it in a way that honors you. And another way we can respond is by giving. The offering bins are in the back, and, and you can give as God leads. Um, but other than that, let's stand and sing and sing praises to our God. There's a calm that covers me When I kneel down at your feet It's a place of healing It's a place where I find Shame. 
Hey, I pray y'all have an amazing day. Um, I think it's supposed to be somewhat cool today. So go out and uh, compared to the last few days. So go out and enjoy the sunshine, enjoy family. Love you guys and y'all have a blessed week.